Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Uber Neuro, the podcast designed by me, Al Tepper, to bring inspiration and light to my 13-year-old son who was recently diagnosed with autism. And of course, like most young chaps uh, in their teenage years, the last thing they want on top of everything else they have to deal with is a diagnosis of autism. Uh, however, he was really relieved and delighted and uh, because then he knew it wasn't him. So he now knew what was different about him. And as a result, I've set out on a mission to introduce him to and show him examples of amazing other people with similar challenges uh, to varying degrees and how they are absolutely crushing it in their world and how actually for them, uh, their challenge often can turn into a superpower, hence the name Uber Neuro. So without further ado, let me introduce you to today's guest. Now, just in the preamble, I jokingly said that I, I would have to have a 10 minute, I'd have to have a launch my own podcast separately just to introduce him. This guy is incredible. Uh, I'm going to describe him and let you then intro uh, yourself but I'm going to describe him as a, a wonderkin serial entrepreneur. Uh, his name is Harry Williams. Harry, are you there? I'm here. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate this. It's my pleasure. I've only heard amazing things about you. And having met you for a very short period of time, I can already feel the energy barreling down the camera at me. <laughs> of course, we can see each other. This will be an audio podcast only. But uh, clearly, I'm, I'm in the presence of some greatness here. So I don't want to flatter you too much about you. <laughs> but, go red. Uh, well, absolutely. But uh, why don't you introduce us uh, to Harry Williams? So my name's Harry Williams. I am, as you said, a entrepreneur. I build and develop companies mainly to focus on helping people. So if that's within your local community or within the tech industry, uh, I started out in the media industry, first of all, building television channels and recently just started pivoting into building community organizations as well as helping small businesses build their tech. Uh, and I think that's one of the really important things for me is helping people grow. Uh, and I think that's what I'm all about. And that's what I've tried to develop over the last few years. That's amazing, uh, and mostly because, uh, and, and you'll be amazed to know, but my why in life is to help people grow. No, really? So the alignment is insane. <laughs> my, my why to help people grow is because uh, I, I don't think I had a loving family, but I didn't feel the universe helped me grow. I'm probably on the spectrum. I'm certainly ADHD. Oh, yeah. And uh, so as a result, I just love, I get a real kick out of helping people grow. And so do you. What no, is that? It is my favorite thing to do, honestly. Yes. I've, you know, helping people grow, helping people build what they want to achieve. You know, so many people think it's not possible and you give them that little push, you give them that little chance yeah. and you just see them flower into something amazing. And that is, for me, what really kind of wakes me up in the morning. It's not, you know, it's not about building the businesses. It's more about what they do for people. And I think that is really important. Yeah, I completely agree. It, it, and I think that's an interesting point, even before we even fully begin. It's not even about the business, it's what it does for them. And that's the interesting thing. Business is a, is a vehicle through which people grow. Mm, exactly. They, exactly. You grow yourself. You know, I've grown and I'm still growing through business. You know, I had a really struggled childhood. I went through a lot of problems with mental health and, you know, just school life. And I got to channel all of that frustration into helping other people. In turn, you know, without me even realizing it, after a few years, I sat there and went, Oh my god, I'm, I'm a completely different person. You know, people were telling me, Harry, you're a completely changed man, and this, this is what's done it. Uh, and you really don't believe it until you get a couple of years down the line, and you, it just uh, it's like flips in your head, and you go, Oh my god, but I am, I, I, you know, this is, not, this is not what I used to be like, and you know, I'm Amazing. better for it. Amazing. Well, look, let's start a bit further back, let's go mm -hmm. back. 
And I'll ask my first question that I ask everyone, and that is, uh, tell us a bit about early Harry. What challenges did you face? So one of my biggest problems was in school, I was never, you know, I wasn't a person to focus. I had huge ADHD. Uh, I was dyslexic as well. So writing was probably one of the biggest weaknesses I had. And I took that out in frustration. So, in, you know, nowadays they give you laptops to do a lot of your work in schools if you have dyslexia. Uh, back in the day, they, you know, when I was a kid, they forced you to write. Yeah. Uh, and that led to a lot of frustration. Even things I enjoyed, like I enjoyed science, but because it was all writing, I then took my frustration out on, you know, the class, on, on, the, on the lesson. And then I didn't learn anything. You know, when I got to year 11, when I was taking my GCSEs, they, you know, were so worried about me. I was going through so many ups and downs with depression. I'd just come out of psychotherapy um, from having really, really chronic depression at the age of 14. Wow. Uh, they couldn't believe it. Um, that The school was so worried that the writing in the GCSEs would push me over the edge that they actually end up writing me off. You know, I left school with not a single qualification because wow. for my mental health, they were worried by putting me in that type of pressure in that type of situation that it would just have a detrimental effect to my mental health. So by the end of it, the school ripped me off and I was one of the first kids in my school to ever be written off by his GCSEs wow. having for mental health. It was you know, unheard of when I was a kid. You know, it was, yeah. Mental health was still, even though it was slowly coming out of the stigmatism stage, it was still not understood by teachers. It was still you know, very mis misunderstood. Uh, I never forget one of my teachers. Uh, I was in a, I, I just came out of hospital. Um, you know, I had a really bad suicidal uh, episode. Uh, just come out of hospital and the teacher put me in this four by four room and basically oh. shouted at me, telling me if I carry on, <laughs> I'll put myself in a mental hospital. You know, you're going to section yourself, Jesus. you know, and that back in then, that was how they thought they fixed it was by telling you off. Uh, <laughs> and, and luckily I had a few teachers who really understood uh, and pushed me out of that and helped me focus on things that I enjoyed. You know, I'm a massive techie myself. So they got me in the computer rooms. They helped, got me helping out in the light and sound for the productions in school because then one or two teachers really did understand what was going on. Whereas the rest of them were just, had no idea. They, they thought shouting at me was the way to fix it uh, when in reality it was making it all worse. Wow. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that, that's astounding on a few levels. Uh, the first level is that people could actually behave that way. And the second level, level is on an empathy level of, you know, the sad reality is um, I don't think you were exceptional. I suspect no. this has happened to lots of other people um, and possibly happens today, certainly in other parts of the world, if not the UK. And I'm sure it, I bet I'd wager money there. And, that, and I guess that's the, the reason why I wanted to push this podcast and make it happen was, you know, my son was very, very uh, depressed and miserable because he thought it was him mm. and school wasn't a particularly positive place well-meaning people but the road to hell is as we know paved with good intention mm. and um, you know I think he's quite blessed and I'm positive there are other 13 year old kids out there who think it's them and it isn't them and they don't have support so I just hope that someone hears oh. Neuro and gets it to them because the minute they meet all of you guys and last week I interviewed a chap called Joe Stoll, who's a young web developer, similar experience. I, I watched his episode. I listened to his episode. Absolutely. And the week before that was um, Dan from Aspie World, uh, a massive YouTube blogger. Yep. When that young 13-year-old kid realizes they're not alone, they're part of your tribe, then the world opens up immediately. Uh, 100%. If, if, someone, if, someone told me, if someone told me how my life would be right now when I was 13, 14, 15, yeah. I would not have been in and out of hospital. I would not have felt like I wanted to end my life. It was, you know, it was such a confusing stage for me where I struggled so much with everything. 
And then on top of that, having the pressure of people telling you what you're doing is wrong. Not that you have a problem or that you have something that we need to assist you with. Instead, say, this is your fault. You yeah, need to fix you. it. It's yeah. you. Then wow. it, it changes your whole perspective. Once I grew up and, you know, once I hit kind of 17, 18 and I started to learn uh, yeah. how, how adults are and how, you, how people behave, you realize that actually there was nothing wrong. There was, it wasn't my fault. This was just how I was born. You know, this is just a you know, bad life. You know, it's just a thing. But you turn it into a positive thing. And that's what it's all about. Anything you ever have, whether you're missing a leg or, you know, you've got a mental health issue or, you know, anything, you've got to turn it into a positive. Go be a Paralympic runner. Um, yeah. You know, show people that that doesn't mean anything. You know, yep. if you struggle with, if, you, if you're dyslexic like me, you know, I can't write a day in my life. I literally have the worst handwriting. But nowadays, I have a laptop everywhere I go. Yeah. So it no longer matters. And if I had that in school, my life would be so different. My, pro my secondary school life would have been so different. Something yeah. as simple as them giving me a laptop would have probably changed my entire school history. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, go on. Sorry. I didn't mean no, no, no. Go, go. There, there's a chap we interviewed really early on in the series called uh, uh, um, Dr. Dyslexia. And he's an American... A professor who was written off at the age of 18 couldn't read had functionally literate because of his dyslexia um, and um, because he is african-american that exacerbated the problem because of po poverty related issues that meant he had less access to support even less access yeah. than anybody else and as a result he was written off and then uh, somebody said to him no i can show you how to read and write and they got him through it 18 years later, age 36, he's now a doctor. He's a doctor in literacy and he's a professor of literacy at university. I love it. And that I mean, is exactly what I mean by just taking what is, taking that one thing that defined you in life and completely and throwing it back. It. Exactly. It's, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. That, that's what drives me to do everything I've ever done. Um, yeah. You know, as I, as I started building these businesses, I saw that more and more where people were defining themselves by their flaws. And I was all about flipping that upside down. I love, yep. I love, I love, you know, People, all my friends, they all sit there and have so many big, so many stigmatisms about their life. And, you know, my, my general manager at my business, you know, when he first started, he's a very good friend of mine. Uh, you know, he didn't think he could work. He was like, honestly, I wake up in the morning, I just don't want to work. It's just so fr frustrating. You know, I feel so anxious. And, you know, now he works full time here. He's my second in command. Literally can't do anything without him. And that was just by putting him on two days a week, giving him a couple of hours leeway, getting him to comfortable, building him up, growing with him. Uh, and showing him that it doesn't matter what what your thoughts are in the morning, as it progresses through the day, they go away, and you can live a really productive life with depression, anxiety, whatever it is. You can really live that focused life. You just have to apply it to yourself. And everyone's carrying something. Oh yeah. You know, there isn't a human being alive that hasn't got something they could focus on from a negative perspective. Now, obviously, Definitely. we're not talking about clinical depression here. No. Clinical depression isn't a choice. You don't wake up and think, oh, "I'm not going to be happy today," but everything else a lot of life can be expressed through choice Definitely. and and you know uh, there's a chap near me who's a physical trainer and he's got one leg he's a pt <laughs> yeah, i love the guy, that the guy is ripped he, yeah i bet and he, that is it he, he didn't take he no. didn't take losing a leg or however no. it happened uh, he just sat there and said you know what that that's fine just carry on as normal act like it's not even happened yeah. And, you know, all my friends and all people I've worked with and everyone I've over time seen has slowly started to realise that. I think back in the day, it was very a closed situation. When you, when we were younger, was, we weren't really meant to talk about our feelings. Sure. I'm sure when you were younger, I bet it was even worse. It was very, <laughs> it was a huge stigmatism. Oh, yes. Uh, and it's yeah. only over the last kind of three or four years 
it's opened up into a point where Definitely. everyone can talk about their feelings and it's it's okay thing to do. Uh, you know, people put it on Facebook nowadays, you know. Could you imagine Definitely. that 20 years ago? Even when I was, no. when I was 13, 14, God, you know, no, it was all about having a closed... Yeah, you, know, you, you shut didn't, yourself you didn't, down. You didn't show any vulnerability. Um, I, I got into Brené Brown recently. I don't know if you've heard of Brené Brown. Yeah. Amazing, amazing Netflix special and obviously a TED speaker as well um, on vulnerability and shame. And I, I've said... I've messaged her and I know, I'm sure she's read it. Uh, and I'm sure I'll never hear back from her because she's got millions. Of years, yeah. But I genuinely think she's the most important thing of our time because the journey into vulnerability and shame is the last bastion of what, what prevents us from living to our full potential. Definitely. We're terrified of people judging us. Yeah, and, you know, if, if I talk about being mentally unwell, people are going to judge me. Oh, no. So I won't talk about it. But actually, uh, I would argue as with the spectrum, as with every spectrum in our lives, we're all on the mental health spectrum as well. No one is, I mean, who would stand up and say, oh no, I'm mentally, I'm mentally perfect. There's no, I've, I would love to meet them, honestly. <laughs> probably mental, there's well, probably a problem with themselves if by thinking that, honestly. Well, like, it, no it's one. even worse, you know, yeah. probably, no. probably denial about something. Yeah. yeah, every single person has something to worry about emotionally, whether that's yeah. family, whether that's personal issues, everything, you know, there's always something you focus on. And sometimes it's just about making that your drive, yeah. making that something that pushes you to the next mark. You know, you mm -hmm. sit there and say, okay, you know, my, like, for example, my uh, parents got divorced and that was a really hard thing on me. It was very new. I didn't really know how to uh, process it. Um, and I used that to focus on, right, my parents are going to move out. I'm going to have to get a house. I'm going to have to sort my life out quickly. And again, I used that same thing to drive myself to make as much money as I could so I could afford to live out and not have my parents sustain me. And it, that was all very important. It's all about turning a negative into a positive. And it's, it's, it's easier said than done, of course, but. It is something you learn over time, learn over a few years to just harness everything and turn it into a positive. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think it's a habit of getting used to confronting the negative mm. and, and turning it uh, into a positive. I think I don't think it's an overnight fix. Oh, no, you don't suddenly wake up one day and say, right, now I'm going to turn everything negative into a positive. Oh, it's a mindset shift, isn't it? You know, you've yeah. got to focus your... Yeah, no, exactly so. And even now, even to this day, like I, I do say all this, but obviously there's still times when I sit at home with sure. just everything stressing me out and I just have to have a day away from work. And yeah, a day away from work. It happens and it, it, you do have to take a break from things sometimes, but don't let it control your life. I think that's the most important part. Yeah, amazing. I totally agree. That's, that's spot on. Um, okay, so we've explored the challenges you face. What happened next, Harry? This transformation, obviously. <laughs> So I went through a lot of psychotherapy, um, which was quite incredible, actually. Really gave me some skills to take away. It wasn't so much about changing my thought process. It was about capturing my thought process and using skills to understand what was going on in my head and understand if it was a chemical imbalance at the time or there was just something else that was triggering it and not, not having it like it's the end of the world. Because for me, everything was the end of the world, no matter what. That's what it always felt like. And it was all about having those skills. And that was really, really important. So then I did a lot of that, kind of focused through it, and then really got into tech. I love, I'm a massive tech nerd. I always have been, but I really started to focus on it. Um, few friends played lots of games like Minecraft and all the others. Uh, and I preferred the server side of it. I preferred building computers and running right. them and hosting them. So eventually, all my friends didn't care about that. So they were like, Harry, can you do me a favor and just set me up a server somewhere and, so I can play with our friends? 
And I kind of originally then started that into a little business. And I was 14, 15 at the time. Wow. Literally just, I mean, I had a PayPal account. I wouldn't class it as a business. It was a <laughs> PayPal account. Uh, and I was, you know, paying this little company in France to give me a big server. And then I had all my friends paying me a little bit extra and I'd split it into those little ones. Uh, yeah. Kind of grew that and had a bit of fun with it. And eventually I started working with a big television company. Just, I was literally put myself online and said, look, I want to do some media consultancy. I want to start learning the media side of it. So I end up starting to work and doing MCR work, which is staring at screens all day and just sit, if something goes wrong, you know, calling someone up saying it's gone off. And I did that for like six months. It's the most boring job in the world. It is literally staring at 70 screens <laughs> and trying to find out something goes wrong, calling someone up, telling it's gone wrong. Wow. And, and I did that for ages. And the company at the time was moving offices uh, and they were just amazed that at 14, 15, I could just understand how everything started to work. You know, I wouldn't start calling people. I'd just start fixing it myself. Wow. Like, they're like, how are you doing that? You're just meant to call your manager and tell him and he'll fix it. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. Look, you showed me once. It's, it's all good. Um, nice. And as they were building this uh, television channel, they said, Harry, you know, can you give us a hand? You know, we're, we're on a really tight budget. You really think out the box. I know, like, you know, you're really young. You've got that really kind of crazy attitude about things that it could really help us. And over a year, we basically built this TV channel. Uh, and you know produced it and it, it's one of the largest channels now it's a massive shopping channel uh, and we built this channel out for them and they're right. still running to this day and you know we helped build all the operations out and I got to really understand how not only a business worked but how a tv channel worked right. and for a 15 year old kid at the time it was yeah you know, the amazing best thing in the world I would have done it for free and they paid me for it <laughs> it was nice. it was truly amazing um so we built this channel and I suddenly realized this was the type of business I wanted to go into I really loved how mission critical TV channels were obviously if they go off for even a split second, uh, yeah. companies lose thousands of pounds, and I love that kind of like the blood pressure going up and the heart racing when something goes wrong. It's my favourite thing. When the <laughs> phone rings, I'm always on edge. I'm like, let's do it. Um, <laughs> it's just one of my things that really drive me. So you know, I kind of focused on that industry, and one guy in that company left and moved to another company, um, and then they built a channel, and then he remembered me and phoned me up and said, Harry, look. I'm at this new company, and I can talk about this company, uh, which is Sewing Quarter. It's a TV channel. It's a shopping channel called Sewing Quarter. He said, look, I've just moved channels. Uh, can you give us a hand building this channel out? And did the exact same thing. Came out there, helped them build it, and it was, it was amazing. So then I started building TV channels, started working with broadcasters, building systems and procedures to help optimize wow. the media industry. And it was, you know, it was so much fun, honestly. I can see it. Media is such an old school profession. You know, the yeah. news has been around for centuries. Um, so when they, nowadays, as things are going online, I'm talking to these, uh, you know, media production houses and they're like, oh, well, you know, we still send it over, you know, we still put it on a USB and send it over uh, oh. via the postman. And we're like, what? Like, you know, you could do it like this. And they're like, oh my God, that's just saved us a whole day's worth of production. Thank you so wow. much. And it's incredible. That's what it's like across the media industry at the moment. And it's slowly getting better. Uh, you know, they still use satellites uh, instead of like mobile 4G uh, when they take out on news trucks. It's like, who uses, I didn't even know that was still a thing. That's insane. Um, but yeah. people do use it and it's so expensive. But you can use your mobile phone to send a live stream to Facebook and they don't realize these things. So started building out channels, just having lots of fun there. That got hugely successful, kind of in a matter of a few years. It's, you know, I've got uh, seven staff in our Camden office wow. who manage all the TV channels. So then I kind of built that out and then started pivoting into other businesses. So 
I joined a Enfield, so I live in North London. Uh, I joined a community organization there and I built that up and it looks after small businesses, helps the market to consumers. We've got about 18,000 people on there right now. Uh, we built a magazine to help uh, local community members find what's going on in the area. We do things like free, free, free film production. Uh, we go to events and film it all and publicize it all for free. Uh, we work with like the local councils, etc. All about helping the consumer attached to a local business, but also give the consumer something to do. Wow. So, like, we've got a Facebook group where eighteen thousand people. I, I'm sure. Are you in Penny and Thomas's Facebook group? I am. Yes. Yeah. So we've got a similar group like that, which is all about connecting people for our local community. So wow. exact same thing where people compensate, people ask for help, and we help as much as possible. And then other local community members try and help as well. And it's my honestly, it's my favorite thing is to look through that community group and see people helping each other. It's such an amazing, amazing thought. And now my new venture is that we're helping local businesses build their tech. Um, so we've just, we're actually in my new office now. Uh, we've just hired a few staff here. Uh, and what we're trying to do is help local businesses get access to all the major tech. So, you know, like big CRM systems and big uh, phone management systems. Wow. Because we've already built them, but big companies, mm. they're already built for us. So now what we're trying to do is bring that to smaller businesses and help right. them grow and speed up their growth. Wow. So that's, that's what we're trying to do. I, where, when do you find the time for all this? That's amazing. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't. <laughs> I miss, <laughs> I'm sitting in an office seven days a week, 24 seven. Uh, and and what, what do you, I mean, obviously you love doing this. Is there another dimension? To you, Harry. I mean, uh, are you secretly uh, an anime geek, or uh, must be? How, uh, do you, how do you let your hair down, Harry? I'll be honest with you. Like <laughs> computers, that, that, like building businesses and building computers is my is my hobby. I don't, you know, I would do this if I was. This making... isn't work to you. This no, is... oh, not at all. This is, this is you know, fun. this is just yeah, fun. Yeah. And you know, people I... pay you. Nice. <laughs> it's mad, Maybe. isn't it? I know. Sometimes yeah. I sit there and go. You know, these people don't realise I would do this totally for free. <laughs> don't tell them. <laughs> no, we'll I edit that bit out. Yeah, we'll edit that bit out. <laughs> I love it. It's absolutely yeah. incredible. You know, I get to, you know, I get to help people. I get to build and work with amazing tech. You know, I get budgets of millions of pounds, and I get to access this tech that was is beyond my wildest dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I still get paid to do it. It's, it's great. And you know, I have a great team behind me. I've hired, you know, my staff in both offices in all my companies are beyond go above and beyond for everyone you know and that's really really important for us you know i don't i don't hire people based off cvs i hire people based off their personality i think that's the most important part in business yeah and i think one of the interesting trends i've spotted uh in in all of these interviews is so many people i've spoken to have such an incredibly intense energy mm they really passionately engage with what they want to do and so their love for what they do therefore is just off the chart compared to you know neurotypical people i'm not Definitely. sure there's any such thing as neurotypical Typical, but, but yeah. you know you know really the uh, standard person the the average the, the average, average joe absolutely yeah, exactly and i 100 <laughs> agree i anyone i found uh, i know you're speaking to um phil who's another one of kim's friends yes, yes. he is another one just you know yeah, yeah. truly incredible he's just got so he can just see things in like a ten-dimensional. Yeah, he's he's definitely from another another dimension. I, I can't even explain. I love it with I him. love talking with him. Actually, <laughs> mate, I, I, I hope to get him on the podcast soon. Actually, he's yeah, he's operating on a different frequency. Yeah, I and can't even great. focus yeah. it honestly. Yeah, when great. I met him for the first day, it was truly like some energy in the room. It was like two sparks that just connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was such a similar connection where. I, I definitely see in seven dimensions. I think he's at 15, 20 dimensions. <laughs> nice. Um, but, you know, it's all about, I think, with people like us, it's so easy to look outside of the norm because we're so, cause we've always been like yeah. 
not the average Joe. We've always been someone who, you know, people look at us and think, oh, they're a bit strange. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've always been so used to that, that when we look at stuff, we see such stuff in such a different light. You're almost not constrained by societal norms. Is it to yeah, you? exactly. So you, see, you see what you want to see or what, what you see. I mean, there's no, you know, you are the person pointing out the emperor has new clothes. Yeah, you, and you know, you think outside yeah. the box. It's, yeah. it's amazing how many people just constrain themselves into a box and you think, well, you just can't, I, I can't fathom it. You know, everything I see, I always think about a thousand ways to do it. And you talk to some people and they're like, oh, we'll just do it this way. Amazing. Well, and, and I agree. I think it's, uh, that's why I think I've called it Uber Neuro because I think, mm. I think there's... Oh, I love the name. That's, the that's what sold me on it. Yeah, nice. Um, so uh, what happens next? Where does Harry go from here? What, what do you think? What do you think? So I don't know how old you are, Harry, but I'm guessing late 20s, early 30s. No, way younger. Really? Oh my 20, god! I just turned twenty-two two weeks ago. <gasps> Jesus, that is insane. I have to stay under twenty-five because in central London, I'm a twenty-five under twenty-five. Yeah, uh, yeah, which yeah, is like yeah. like the twenty-five thing. So I've got to stay under twenty-five for it. That's another... incredible. That's incredible. So eight years ago, you were that fourteen-year-old. What do you think? What do you think thirty-year-old Harry Styles will be doing? I'm terrified. I don't know yet. Hopefully, relaxing a bit more. If I'm yeah, honest you'll, with you, you'll be on a, you'll be on Richard Branson's island. I suspect. Oh, well, that would be nice, wouldn't yeah. it? A nice yeah. summer's day, sitting out in the beach. That that yeah. would be the dream. Maybe hanging with Richard. <laughs> but in all seriousness, hopefully, you know, helping more people, connecting with more people, building more companies. You know, wherever the wind takes me, I've, it's all about the journey for me, and not the end result that is one of the most important amazing. things about me so i don't care where i go as long as i'm still moving that's that's amazing i'm i mean for everybody else who only has the pleasure of listening to harry uh it is like having a conversation with a human tornado it, it <laughs> that's not the first incredible. time i've heard that and i think it's a compliment <laughs> no I, I no no it's completely, <laughs> completely a compliment it's impossible not to feel energized by you harry i appreciate there is that just it's an infectious kind of come on let's make something happen and kind oh, of definitely. And, and, I think and, and if i can give that to one person yeah. then that's that's my that's my life achievement amazing right amazing um all right well look uh, before we wrap up because believe it or not it has been uh 26 minutes cool you can believe it's gone really fast um but we've gone really fast um, we have. uh so uh, to a 13 year old out there wondering why it's them what would your final message be turn it into a positive turn every negative into a positive and just keep working hard focus on the journey and not the end result i think that's the most important part so do what you love figure it out do what you love focus on it and just go all in on it, it. give yeah. it your, give it a thousand percent not a hundred percent amazing amazing harry uh i'm i feel exhausted <laughs> Me too, I need to lie down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm getting too old for this. Um, amazing to meet you. Uh, I can, I'm still kind of in shock that you're 22. Um, that's incredible. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to be hearing more about you uh, over the next coming years and watching with delight uh, as you progress and uh, continue to change the world in a, in a grander scale constantly i'm sure so keep going thank you so much for joining us um and to everybody that's listened today well i hope you enjoyed that that was a an absolute treat a tsunami of awesomeness um do me one favor if you're listening to this uh take one action 
to try and get us a bit closer to that youngster out there who thinks it's them. Like, share, comment, send it as a message to someone, tell someone they need to be interviewed by us. Just do us one favor and do one thing. If everybody did that, we would be reaching more and more people. And genuinely, I 100% believe that this is going to totally save someone's life at some point. Someone's going to hear this and realize it's not them, that they can actually turn their their challenge into the superpower it can be. So help us on that mission. Uh, Harry, once again, thank you so much for joining today. No, my pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And we'll uh, look forward to getting this out uh, very, very soon. Everybody, thank you once again from me at Uber Neuro. Uh, Have a good week and uh, we will see you next week for the next episode.